Well, I don't know if you heard about the three sisters. They lived together. One was 96, one was 94, one was 92. And um, upstairs, the 96-year-old was getting ready to get into the bathtub, and she yells out, hey, I don't know if, if I was getting in or getting out. Somebody help me. 94-year-old and a 92-year-old downstairs drinking coffee. 94-year-old said, oh, my goodness sake, let me go help her. She got about halfway up the steps. She goes, hey, I can't remember if I was going up or coming down. <laughs> and the 92-year-old said, my goodness, I'll never be like that, knock on wood. Hold on, I'll be there in a minute. I got to answer the door. <laughs> oh, my. Have you ever been in a place where you found yourself forgetting some things, right? 22 months ago when we began Summit Church, we felt like the Lord gave us a theme verse. It's found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. In fact, we're going to put or probably put it, the words out there on the lobby at some point. And it says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Oh, I love that. You know, it just dawned on me. This is the first time we've all been together in one room. We've always had two more. This is, this is cool. And this may be one of the few times we do this because I've heard that the parking lot is almost full in um, and so we may, we, we may not have this experience. So enjoy it now. Enjoy it now. I like what the New Living Translation says. So let me read that. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do, the Lord says. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Much of what we experience in God, I've come to believe, has a lot to do with not just what we experience, but also what we forget. We've looked at our lives many times and thought of forgetting things as a negative thing. We forget our glasses. We forget our, we forget our keys. We forget you know, um, our appointments. We forget um, the anniversaries. Lord, help us. And we forget these things. And, and I remember even my, as a, growing up as a child, we would go to church on Sunday nights. And my mother, my dear mother and father, I was the only child. I'm the only child. I was the only child. And they, the pastor's locking up the church. And he goes, son, where's your parents? I'm like, I have no idea. He calls the par my parents and says, hey, did you forget something? They're like, oh, my goodness, yes. And they had, how can you have one child and leave your child uh, at the church? We forget things. We work hard at remembering, but some things I believe we just have to forget. When you come to Christ, you are not allowed to remember some things anymore. We're not allowed to dwell on some former things, as Isaiah said. He said, don't, don't, don't dwell on that anymore. Don't, 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 don't think about that anymore, because over time, over time, if we keep dwelling on those bad things or those old things, those former things, they begin to affect our present thing and more importantly, our future thing. You, you, have to, you have to, it's amazing to me how some people can come out of a bad relationship, talking about a single person perhaps, 
Or, and and you, you suffered abuse, verbal abuse, maybe even physical abuse. And then, and then over time, you forget about all that stuff. Maybe you're a little lonely, needing a friend, need a little comfort. And, and you start remembering all the good times you had with that person. And next thing you know, you find yourself Facebook friending them again and checking them out and see how they're doing and starting another dialogue. When, when, when God rescued you out of something very bad, and yet you go right back into some, some people understand this and perhaps somebody in this room has experienced this. You, you were in a, some kind of an addiction, some kind of a habit, someone, something was wrapped you up and it was sucking the life out of you, but God reached down out of his grace and mercy and he snatched you up out of that and, and he put your feet on solid ground and then over a period of time, you, something you forget. You forget what God has done. You, you forget what, where you've come from and you start remembering these things that you you to be familiar with that would numb you when you were in pain and, 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 and after two years of being delivered of an addiction you find yourself right back there at the crack house. Come on somebody, you know what I'm talking about you just go back to the wrong place when God's already touched you. We're not allowed to dwell on the former things. Things that took our money things that took our finances, things that took our health, our dreams, our friends they took it all from us. And yet we look back on it as almost it was a wonderful time of our life. And also, we you know what we can't dwell on? We can't dwell on our successes either. Okay, so you're successful, so that you made some money, so you have five houses, so you have whatever. We're excited for you. Praise God for that. But you can't get caught up in that either. So what is it that we're allowed to remember? I'm glad you asked. We're allowed to remember the great things God has done for us. That's what you're allowed to remember. Deuteronomy chapter 5, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord God brought you out there of that with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Well, what's the Sabbath day? It's, it's this day. It's, we, we would call it this Sunday, the Sunday of the week where we get together and we build community. It was the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Or you keep the Sabbath, you make it holy. And, and God made a time where we could get together and, and we could rest. And we could not work. And if you're one of those workaholics, then you need to cut it back. You need to change your lifestyle. It's not healthy. You're, 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 you're abandoning a principle that God put in place. And, and not only is it for rest, but it's also for us to come together and remember all that God has done. And God told the Israelites, he said, I want you to, to get together on the Sabbath. I want you to bring your children together. I want you to rehearse in front of them all the things that I've done for you. You, you need to talk about it. Talk to them about how I delivered you from in the Red Sea and how I delivered you and led you through the wilderness with a pillar of fire and, and a cloud by day and how I fed you with manna supernaturally and preserved. I want you to talk about things and remember some. There's times where you need to remember some things. In fact, we have a communion. We'll be offering it to anybody that wants to take communion after service right up here. And one of the things we take, reasons we take communion is because it's good, the Bible says, to remember Jesus. He says, when you take that bread and take that cup, he said, Jesus said, remember me. It's something that we do on a consistent basis to remember 
the, the God that's in control of it all and has placed us in this place where we're at right now is about remembering, remembering God. You used to be selfish. You used to be greedy. But look at you now. You're generous, and you're looking for opportunities to give to others. You used to be hard-headed and stubborn. And now, look what God's done in your life. You actually take advice for a change, and you listen to what people have to say. You used to be mean and hateful, and now you're gentle, and you have a soft spirit, and you actually cry at movies that your wife is watching with you. Come on, somebody. You used to be little people and be angry at people and look down at them, but now you show them respect and you look to lift them up. You used to be a person that doubted God, but look at you now. You've been stepping out in faith and watching God open doors for you that he could have never done otherwise. You used to be a person that ridiculed people that said they heard from God, but now you find yourself hungering to hear the voice of the Lord and even stepping out and hearing God yourself from time to time. You used to be a person that was ungrateful, but now you just can't stop praising God and giving him thanks for all that he's done. You used to be bitter and angry, but now you're just filled with love for people. This is what God has done. These are the things you remember. You remember your God because he delivered you with his mighty strong arm. And so today is a day to remember. We're going to remember. We're going to remember what God has done for us as a body of believers. How God has been faithful to us for the last 22 months as we launched out into the deep and said, we have a vision to launch a church that is going to know God and grow in its faith and make impact in the community, our vision statement. We're going to launch out together. We're going to build relationships through small groups, and we're going to be authentic and real and raw, and we're going to take down maybe some of those barriers that we've held people at a distance for a long time. We're going to watch what God does in the midst. We're going to grow in our faith, and we're going to watch ourselves grow in the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. We're, we're going to challenge one another to do the same. And, and so we launched out 22 months ago in a place called Glen Lakes Village. I don't know if you remember this place or not. That was us 22 months ago. Look at us. Look at us just sitting there, packed together, loving Jesus, learning how to be a family, learning how to be a community together. Come on. And then God said, well, you need to shut that thing down. There's a little virus, so we shut it down. And we said, we can't go back into that Petri dish anymore when we open back up. So we'll find a bigger place. And God bless us with this place. We were there just last week. Just last week, we were there. We were there. <laughs> the Alabama Music Hall. And now we're here. Hard times didn't destroy us. They just made us stronger. Hard times didn't stop us. They just made us more determined. And hard times didn't break us. They just proved that our God is real. I, I tell you what, when the Bible talks about Miriam coming out of slavery with the all rest of the Israelites, when they, when they moved, out of that, moved out of Egypt as bond slaves for 430 years, once they crossed the Red Sea and looked back and watched God swallow up the captives, the people that had beat them for years and held them captive for years, Miriam broke out with a tambourine and she just started singing a dance and dancing and singing. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I used to be a worship leader and I used to, my, my instrument was the tambourine. Oh yeah, 
Oh, I can, I can beat a tambourine, baby. In fact, we, we, we would wear slacks back in those days, and, and, and all of my slacks had a big hole in it right there. In fact, I would have a bruise on my thigh by the time I got home from church on a Sunday from beating that, and I would just dance a jig and play that tambourine. And I tell you, if I had a tambourine right now, I would dance you a jig, and I would play my tambourine because that's what you do when God brings you out of something that was really hard and it was pressed down and you were hurting, but God saw you through. And you look back and you go, hey, look what God has done. Now, don't be bringing me a tambourine next week. I'm not going to do that. So it was what, last January of 2020, we bought this property. We're so thankful for it. We knew we had to find some place. And, and so I was like, well, we got our place. We dedicated it. You know, let's, let's just have service. You know, let's just get together. And uh, we'll just work on it as we're getting together. And, and uh, I was told, no, JP, you can't do that. Well, no, we can't do that. It's our building. No, you can't do that. You got to have a CO. I'm like, well, I don't know about all that. CEO said, where do you get that? The Home Depot, we'll go to Home Depot, get us a CEO, and let's have church. No, you got to have a CEO. What's a CEO? I have a, we got, let's just add a letter, a CEO. We got some of those in the church. Let's get a CEO. No, you got to have a CEO. What's a CEO? It's a, a certificate of occupancy. And, and, and what, have, what do we have to do to do that? Well, we got to go through a process, and, and there's going to be some inspections, and they're going to come, they're going to inspect all the things around this building, they're going to sign off on it. And I'm like, well, how long is that going to take? And they say, as long as it takes to do it. We're just going to do it. I'm like, so we can't get in until we have a CO? That's right. How many, 10 inspections later, we passed all of them except the last one, and we had just a, like six or eight items. We knocked those off in a few days, and we passed all of them. And not, just this Friday, 48 hours ago, they gave me a CO. Come on. Woo, come on. And I got to thinking about this little certificate of occupancy, and I'm like, you know, We've been working really hard for this little piece of paper. I, I, this is worth a lot of money right now. I'll sell it to you for the right price. But I was thinking about the CEO, and, and, and I, was, I know it may sound corny, but I felt like the Lord dropped in my spirit this idea that, that, that he already gave us a CEO. And I'm like, okay, what, what's that mean? He gave us a CEO. And, and it dawned on me that the word... Church in the book of Acts, Acts 2.47, Bible says that, that the church met together every day. They met together and they broke bread and they were, uh, uh, taught, learned about the apostles' teaching in the Bible and, and, they, and, they, and they worshiped together and they, they had community together and it was called the church. And I looked up that word church in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in, and that word means ecclesia. Now that doesn't mean anything to you and I, ecclesia, but it means something to me. It means this. It means the called out ones, the CO ones. You are the called out ones. God has given us his CO. You have been called out. You have been called out for a reason and a purpose. Now, you probably have seen The Price is Right years ago, come on, and they would call out a person's name, come on down. And they would come and they would, ah, they would, they were dressed up like a domino or some kind of a weird animal and they're just acting crazy and they're so excited because they had an opportunity to win a prize that no one else got to do. And, or or you, you, the NFL draft was just this past week and I was watching these young players out of college and they're looking 
you know, at the draft board waiting to see if someone would call them out because they wanted to play on the next team at the next level. They believed they were good enough, and, and they, they get the phone call. We picked you. You're the fifth pick. You're picked. You are on our team. And they're like, yeah. They don't care who's watching it on national television. They're going berserk. Why? Because they've been called out. When you realize that God has put his hand upon you and you've been called out and there's a reason why you've been called out. Come on, son. You're not playing for the minor leagues anymore. Welcome to the majors, baby. This is the day I'm calling you out. God's called us out. He's called us out for a reason. Not to sit around and just be a group of people that are bump on the logs in our community, taking up space and time, but to be a people that make impact in our community, to be a people that reach around to the neighbors and those in our workplace, and we touch their lives with the love of God, and we speak into the lives, and we ask them questions like, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Can I pray with you? I see that you're in need. We're a people that have been called out. We look different. We act different. We talk different. We smell different. Come on. We're just different. We're called out. When you're called out, things begin to happen in your life. It's a turnaround when you realize you've been called out. It was the man Saul, Israel's looking for a king, and Saul is hiding over behind some stuff. The Bible says some boxes or what, luggage, whatever. He, he doesn't want to be seen. He realizes they're looking for a king. They're about to appoint a king, and he's hiding because he doesn't want to be known. He doesn't want to be seen, but they said, Saul, where's that guy Saul? Saul, come on out, and they called him out, and Saul became the first king of Israel. He was called out. David was called out. The, apostle, the, the prophet Samuel comes to his house and said, there's a boy. You got a boy, and he's been called out. Where is he at? Well, we got a boy. He's out in the shepherd field. You don't want him. No, we bring him here to me. And God began to speak to the prophet Samuel, and Samuel anointed his head with oil, and he called him out. He said, listen, son, you're no longer going to be a shepherd of sheep. You're going to be a shepherd of people. And from that moment on, his life turned a, a whole different 90 degrees, uh, and he began a, a journey that was unlike anybody else and became the greatest king Israel ever had. Why? Because he was called out. It was Zacchaeus walking down the road. He looks up into a tree and he sees a guy in a tree. He's like, what's up with you in a tree? He goes, I just wanted to see. He goes, come on, I'm calling you out, son. Come on, let's go to dinner together. Oh, and that day after Zacchaeus was called out by God, by Jesus, he went in to his house and Zacchaeus' life changed and he became the most generous man of the community. The 12 disciples had been doing their thing uh, and living their life like everybody else, but Jesus uh, had been looking at them all this time. And one day he comes down to four of these guys uh, that would one day be called disciples uh, and he said, I'm calling you out. If you'll leave those fish and leave those nets and follow me, I'm calling you out. I'll make you into a fisher of men and you'll change the destiny of humanity. I'll make you into a person you couldn't even believe 10 years ago you could have ever been. It was Paul on his way to Damascus. He was known as Saul at the time. He was on his way to Damascus to kill the Christians because they didn't like the Christians. The Christians were the cause of all the problems and he was on his way. But God showed up in a marvelous light uh, struck him to the ground uh, and blinded his eyes uh, and God began to speak out of that voice out of that light and said uh, I'm calling you out uh, you will no longer be called Saul you're going to be Paul and you will be an apostle of the faith uh, for generations to come and two thirds of your New Testament was written by a man who was called out and his life changed forever aren't you glad God calls you out 
Jonah says, I'm going to do my own thing. I don't want to do what you are asking me to do, God. And he makes his journey on a boat to another place. And God goes, oh, no, you don't. I've called you out. And he puts a little whale. He takes a little whale. And he causes this whale to track him down. And they throw Jonah over the boat. And he gets swallowed up by a whale and finds himself up on the shores of the, of the place at Nineveh. He didn't want to go, but God called him out. I was like this story uh, a few days ago. I, I read this story about the little girl and she was talking to her teacher about the whales and the teacher said yeah whales are big animals but they're not big enough to swallow a man because their throats are too small and she goes well, that's not true because the Bible says that a whale swallowed Jonah and she was a little irritated and she goes well that's no it doesn't happen like that you can't whales can't swallow swallow people like that and she goes what well, and the, the little girl said well, I'll tell you what um, I think I don't I don't agree with you. The teacher, so I'll tell you what, when you get to heaven, you ask Jonah if he was swallowed by a whale. And uh and, 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 and the girl said, okay, I'll do that. And uh, then, then the little girl, then the teacher says, well, but what if he doesn't go to heaven? And the little girl, and goes to hell. And the little girl said, well, then you ask Jonah, okay? So, that would be your question. But he was called out. There was a young lady, she was thrown at the feet of Jesus and he was doing some teaching. They threw this woman who'd been caught in adultery. And the law said that she should be stoned. And, and they had stones in their hand ready to stone her. But Jesus stood there and he wrote in the sand some things. And we don't know what he wrote. Uh, but by the time he picked himself back up from the sand, the crowd began to disperse and they all went away. And he looked down at this one lady. And many theologians believe it was Mary. She would, that was the lady, Mary. It was Mary Magdalene that was that woman. And he looks at her. He goes, where are your accusers? Uh, look around and she looked up and she says, I don't see them. He goes, that's right, they're gone and I don't accuse you either. Now get up and go and sin no more. I'm calling you out. And she would be the first person to see that the tomb was be empty. God comes along and he calls the three Hebrew children out. He goes, are you gonna be a part of the culture or are you gonna change the culture? Are you gonna bow down when they say bow down or are you gonna stand your ground and say I believe in one living God? Are you gonna be a person that bucks the system or are you just gonna bow down to what they say? And they say we're gonna stand. And when they got drug into before the king, he goes, I'm gonna put you in a furnace and I'm gonna heat it up seven times hotter. And they threw him in. And God proved to the people then, as he proves to the people now, that when he calls you out, even if they heat up the furnace seven times hotter, when you've been called out, there's not a fire that can singe your hair. There's not even a smell of smoke that comes onto your clothes when you walk out of that fire. You've been called out. He comes to a man by the name of Abraham and he says, I want you to get up and I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your family, leave your dad, leave your mom, leave your friends, leave everything that you've known. I've got my hand upon you, but God, where am I gonna go? Ah, we'll talk about that later. I just need you to know that you've been called out. Your name's been called, your number's been called. It's time for you to walk into your destiny. Forget the former things. Forget all those things in the past. This is a new day. Don't you see it? I'm writing it on the wall and he followed out after God and became the father of our faith, Abraham. It was Timothy who Paul called, called up and he wrote to him. He said, listen, son, you need to stir your faith. Quit hiding behind your grandmother's coattails and quit hiding around behind your mother's coattails. Uh, I'm calling you out. And Timothy, in the city of Ephesus, uh, began to be a pastor at a very young age. Some people even believe at the age of 18. And he began to pastor a group of people called Christians in Ephesus. Uh, and he began to shake off the fear and begin to walk in faith uh, of that moment. Uh, and what, that's what happens when God calls 
calls you out. You begin to take on attributes that you never even knew were possible to have because you have the hand of God upon your life. Something greater is taking place. A new thing is happening in the body of Christ. Something new is happening here. Something fresh is happening. Can you give God some praise? You've been called out. What's coming is so much greater. He says, don't you see, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. So this word new is an interesting word. The word new actually means fresh. So this is totally impromptu. Mr. Michael, would you mind coming up here? So Mr. Michael, would you take a piece of that donut there and just take a bite of it? Real quick. Is that good? Yes. <laughs> Is it seem fresh or stale? Stale. Mm. So you like stale things? It's chocolate. <laughs> Are you a woman? <laughs> Would you have, let's take a bite of that cracker. Stale or fresh? Fresh. Do you like crackers? Okay. <laughs> Some coffee. You like a cup of coffee? Just a drink? Just a swig? Would you think that's stale or fresh? Cold. <laughs> okay. That's an option to you. Thank you, Michael. Come on. Appreciate it. Give Michael a good hand. Will you do that? <laughs> Nobody likes stale things. You throw stale things away, right? I've never heard anyone, you know, bite into a stale cracker and go, wow, this is delicious. This is the greatest stale cracker I've ever had in my life. We don't hang around stale things. We run from stale things. We throw it out. And today the Lord is saying to us, Summer Church, this is a fresh start. God is turning something stale in your life into something fresh if you allow him. And when the hand of God comes upon your life, what was once stale suddenly becomes fresh. And we need to experience the hand of God in this place. We have, we have built this place simply that it could be a place where God could come and his hand would rest upon this people. They did a, an experiment, kind of a brutal experiment back in the 1950s at Harvard. And they and they put a group of rats into some water. And they wanted to see how long the rats could tread water. And they found that the, the rats could tread water for about 15 minutes. And once they saw the rats begin to sink, they, they rescued them out with their hand. And they dried them off, made sure that they were still alive. And they set them on a little shelf for a little bit. And they gave him a little rest. And then they said, I wonder what would happen if we put him back into this water again. I wonder how long they'll swim. How many would say they'd swim maybe another 15 minutes? Raise your hands. How many would say maybe 10 minutes? Raise your hand. How many would say maybe five minutes? Raise your hand. How many would say maybe one minute? Raise your hand. And so they put their little mice, rats, back into this pool of water and began to watch them. Mind you, it hadn't been very long just before they had been in this water before. They swam for five minutes. 
10 minutes, 15 minutes. And they're watching him in unbelief in 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour. They're still treading water. They're like, this is unbelievable. Three hours later, they're still treading water. They're thinking, what's going on? Six hours later, they're swimming, swimming, 10 hours, 15 hours, 30 hours, 40 hours, 60 hours. Finally, they're like, I gotta give up, I'm done, I'm done. They went from 15 minutes to drowning to 60 hours to drowning. And they came to this conclusion that when a little rat or a little piece of, a little animal called a mouse feels the hand of deliverance around their life and realize that that hand is going to protect them and rescue them when they're in trouble, then when they're put back in that same situation, they can swim for hours upon hours because they have something triggered in their brain that just hang on a little longer. There's gonna be a hand that reaches down and pulls me out of this crud that I'm in. I don't know if I can make it much stronger, but I know there's a hand coming my way. Once you've experienced the hand of God upon your life, game over. It's over. I wanna have a worship team come back for just a moment. Here's what I felt like of all the things I just wanted to share. Today we consecrated this property to the Lord. This building, this facility is now God's house. It's not my house, it's not your house, it's not your neighbor's house. This is God's house. And what goes on in here is gonna give God glory and give God praise. There will be lives touched forever because of what goes on in this house, because God's hands on this house. I can't help but reflect back when Solomon dedicated his temple to the Lord, the temple that he had built into the Lord. And the Bible tells us in several different places that after they had made offerings unto the Lord, God wanted them to know how pleased he was with them. And the Bible says that the hand of God came upon that temple and the glory of God descended upon that people. And the word glory, because that's what happened, the glory of God fell upon that temple and the word glory means heavy in the Hebrew. It was so heavy that that, 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 that literally the priests that were inside were like crawling out. They were crawling out under the, under the presence, under the glory of God. And can you imagine their face when they came out of the temple going, what was that? Oh, so that was the, the glory of God. Whoa. And when a person has been touched with the glory of God, their life is forever ruined. And our prayer and our cry is that we allow God to use a resource, like Pastor Kim said the other day, like, a, like God anointed a stone 
and it created an entire deliverance of a nation called Israel in David's hand. That God would use a little metal building on County Road 12 where he would find a community of believers that were so in love with him, whose hearts were filled with praise, who weren't angry, who weren't mad, who weren't living in the past, but truly embraced the thought that good things are ahead. It's a fresh start. It's a brand new day. That God's gonna do something we'd never dreamed possible. If he finds that people, guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna descend, descend with his glory and he's gonna fill the house, this house and this house and we will forever be ruined. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment this morning. I got some good news for you. Today you can have a fresh start. You can begin a real relationship with the God, the creator that made you that you can experience God move in your life in a supernatural way beginning today. All you have to do is surrender. All you have to do is just let him have full control. All you have to do is just let him in. So this morning, I ask you this question. Will you surrender to the Lord? Will you allow him to turn things around? with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you would say, Pastor JP, right where I'm at, I want you to pray for me. I want you to answer the question, yes, today's the day I'm asking Jesus into my heart. I'm asking Jesus into my life. Raise your hand right where you're at. I'm gonna pray for you right from this place. Yes, I see that hand, yes, on the side. Come on, somebody else. Yes, I see that hand, yes. Yes, sir, on the right. Yes, I see that. Come on. Come on. All right in the back. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I, I, I'm turning my life over. It's a fresh start today. It's a fresh start today in Jesus' name. Come on, raise it high. Raise it bold. Yes, on my right up in the very top. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you, Father. Come on, God's doing some good things here this morning. He is here in the house already. First morning, people are getting changed. Come on, anybody else? I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Yes, ma'am, I see that hand on my left. Yes, yes. Anybody else? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask all of us to pray a prayer. And I call it the salvation prayer. And this is the prayer where you surrender everything. Can we all pray this together? Would you repeat after me? Would you say this, Lord Jesus? I surrender my life this morning and I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my mistakes. Cleanse me of my fears. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God some praise for that this morning? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Before we're dismissed, I gotta just say this to you this morning. If you invited Jesus into your heart, guess what? We have a free Bible outside we wanna give to you. We got, a, we got a brand new Bible just for you. We want you to take that little connect card in front of you, fill that out, and we want you to take it outside of that tent. We wanna give you a Bible. We wanna to talk to you just for a moment before you leave about this journey that you've just embarked on. It will be our pleasure, it will be our honor to do such a thing. I love you guys, I'm so thankful. We're not gonna be dismissed, we're gonna sing a little bit, just one more little chorus.
then Patrick's gonna dismiss us. Would you stand to your feet and tell your friend next to you, this is a fresh start for me. Come on, how about you? It's a fresh start for me. How about you?